Today's scripture reading comes from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. 2 Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Love unsurpassing and the slow, guiding, shining down from above, fervently trust in all that's true, love each other as Christ loveth you. Bound in sin, received his grace, trusting in our heavenly With today actually falling on Valentine's Day, I'm sure that a lot of preachers are going to be talking about God's love today. And I guess technically I could be counted among uh, that list that's talking about God's love. But in keeping with this, this idea that we've been covering these balanced beliefs that we need to have, I want us to not just look at God's love. I want us to notice there's, there's something else that balances out God's love and kind of at first might seem like it, it contradicts itself. You know, it kind of goes against God's love, but I would suggest to you that it's not. See, you know, sometimes people, they look at the Old Testament and they say, well, the God that we read about there, uh, he's full of wrath. He's full of punishment, full of judgment. And sometimes they connect those ideas with the God that we read about in the Old Testament. And then whenever we get to the page of the New Testament, they say, oh, Jesus is all about love. But I think that the truth behind it is a balanced belief, that we see that God's love and wrath are in both of the Testaments. We see them, each of those things in the Old Testament. We see each of those things in the New Testament. So let's take a look first at the, the Old Testament nature of God. Did you know that there's, well, there's probably several passages like this, but we're going to look at one passage in the Bible where God describes himself. That comes to us from the book of Exodus. In Exodus chapter 34, verses 4 through 7, this is what we read, God describing himself. Exodus 34, 4 through 7. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. 
and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generations. As we look at this passage, we see that there is both love, but then there's also punishment being combined. And that's, that's kind of why I say that in order for us to have a balanced belief of who God is, we need to see that, yes, he is love and he has love, but then also he has this wrath. He has this, this vengeance. He has this punishment side as well. Now, this is what we see that it's, it's uh, the, the love of God and also the, the punishments that God uh, hands out. Those are found in the Old Testament. And we see that mentioned here. When God describes himself in verse 6, he talks about how he is slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He's abounding in faithfulness. And then we see just how much he has that love in verse 7. But then we also see something that, that says there's a balance to it. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Now, I think that these two things about, uh, in this case, on this slide at least, we're looking at the love and punishment being balanced out. Love and wrath, love and punishment. We'll kind of see maybe some of these being uh, interchanged uh, a time or two throughout these passages that we look at. But here in this passage, it says that he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Would it be very loving to leave the unguilty, I'm sorry, to leave the guilty unpunished? Or would it be very loving for him to just kind of ignore the sin that, that the guilty commit? See, that's not the love that God has. The love that God has, the justice of God, it requires that there be punishment of these sins. And that's what God does. He loves us, yes, but he also punishes those who do wrong. Now, this is what we read about God in the Old Testament, but we read the same type of thing in the New Testament. So let's kind of take a look at a New Testament description of God. Now, in 1 John chapter 4, uh, we're going to see a phrase that this is actually one of the very few qualities of God where it's stated that God is something. And in this case, God is love. So whenever we look at the love of God, is it important? Well, yes, it's extremely important that we understand that. In fact, we're going to look at, at two different places, at least, where God is described as being God is love. And this is, is one of my favorite passages whenever we look at God's love and, and how God showed us this love. Uh, many people, they think about 1 Corinthians 13, and that's that's uh, that's wonderful, and, and you've probably even kind of looked at that maybe. Uh, I guess that's that's a pretty common one around Valentine's Day. But I really like 1 John 4 because it, it really teaches us a lot about God's love and the type of love that we are called to have as well. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12, we read, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete 
in us. I love this passage, and I think it's wonderful when we are trying to talk about love, this type of love that God has. Because in verse 8, we see that God is love. But then in verse 9, John starts talking about how we see this love of God. This is how God has shown us this love. What did he do? He sent his son. He sent his son so we could live through him. And then verse 10 says, well, this is love. Uh, not just that we love God. That, that's really not enough. But it's also the fact that God loved us. He loved us. He sent us his son as an atoning sacrifice. The beloved John 3.16, of course, talks about the same thing. And we're going to turn there after a while. But let's, let's keep looking at this. This is saying the same type of thing right here. Same author, you know, John, he, he wrote both of these passages and he loves talking about uh, God's love. Makes sense, doesn't it? It also makes sense that since God loved us, what he says in verse 11, since God loves us, we also ought to be able to love one another. What does that look like? Well, whenever we can love one another, that means that, as verse 12 says, God can actually live in us and his love is made complete in us. Are you aware of the part that you actually play in God's love? You know, not only are you uh, what receives God's love, but also you kind of complete God's love in the sense of you, you show its completion. And we are called to love one another because God has loved us. We learn from his example. We see that God is love and he has shown us love in so many different ways. Now, this passage here in verse eight, it says that God is love. And a few verses later, we see the same thing again. Skipping on now down to verses 16 through 18 of still 1 John 4. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So this passage right here is teaching us some things. It's going on still about how God is love, but we also see about how this love is made complete within us. And, and the reason about his love being uh, made complete in us, it says that that's uh, how we can have confidence on the day of judgment. So yes, we're looking at God's love and God's wrath, but what I want you to understand is you don't have to have any fear of God's wrath if you are fully within the love of God, and if you are fully embracing this love of God. In fact, the statement that's being stated right here is, in this world, we are like Jesus. See, there is, there is a big part in which we play about accepting the love of God, rejoicing in the love of God, but also sharing that love of God with people around us. We don't have to be afraid of punishment. We don't have to be afraid of the wrath of God, not whenever we are living in this love of God. And whenever we live in this love, we're also living in God and God is in us. That's what verse 16 says. You see this wonderful connection between this love and us and God. It says here that we are like Jesus in the world. That can be a, a little interesting, you know, just to think about. But one thing I will remind you of is we call ourselves Christians, don't we? Well, Christian, it just means that you are like Christ. So, yes, we are like Jesus in the world. Now, we do see this right here and right now. 
But in the future, we're going to see it even more clearly. See, John has already talked about this in 1 John chapter 3. So let's turn there and let's see a little bit more about us connected with Jesus and how we're like Jesus. In 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, still looking at this love of the Father. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Okay, we are like Christ. That's what that other passage talked about. But, but realize that that statement was made even after this one. You know, if you're following 1 John chapter 3 and then verse 4, this one, I'm sorry, chapter 3, then chapter 4, this chapter comes first. This statement already comes first. So he's already been talking about this great love of the Father that he has lavished on us, that he's given to us, that we can be called children of God. That is wonderful. Right now, we are children of God. That is what we are. But notice verse 2. It says that whenever, uh, when Christ appears, we shall be like him. So see, this means even beyond what that other passage was talking about. Yeah, in the world, we are like Jesus. But whenever Christ appears again, then, then we shall be like him. And what does that even mean? We should be like him in a new way, for we shall see him as he is. You know, right here and right now, Jesus can live in us. Uh, we can live in, in God. And, and, and all of these things can be connected right here. But being like him in the future, it's going to be different. It's going to be a new depth to it, one that, that I can't really even fully uh, explain you know, myself. I, I don't know if I really even understand it fully, so how can I really even explain it to you? But I do see that this passage right here is telling us that this is what we need to be striving for. We need to be people who love. We need to be people who accept this love. And whenever we accept this love, we can have this hope. We can have this, this purity. We can also be purified just as he is pure. That's what verse three tells us. Do you start to see how great of a thing this love of God is? And maybe I've emphasized this love a little bit too much in this lesson because, you know, I, I want us to understand how important it is for God's love. Because when you look at a sermon titled about God's love and wrath, you might be thinking, oh no, you know, how, where am I in this balance of things? But that's not really how we should be looking at it. We should be recognizing this love that God has for us and how if we live in this love, that we don't have to fear that wrath. Now, the wrath is still part of God's nature, though. And we need to make sure that we understand that. And to kind of see this balance and even more of this balance than what what first John is telling us, I want us to look at one of the most famous passages about God's love. And that's John 3.16. Let's turn there. now. In John 3.16. I'm, I'm sure that you know that verse, but if you keep reading, here you start to see even more information about this balance between God's love and his wrath that we're looking at today. John 3, 16 through verses 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. 
Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be uh, seen so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Do you notice God's love right here? Do you also notice that this passage is talking about God's wrath? See, it says that God so loved the world that he did this wonderful thing by sending his son. That's what John 3.16 is about. But you also notice that uh, this is telling us this balance. Verse 17, it says that, that the son wasn't sent into the world to condemn the world. No, the son was sent into the world to save the world. That's the whole purpose of, of why the son was sent into the world to help us. But there is this wrath of God. Now here, the word that's going to be used is, is condemning. Now, maybe some of our passages, you know, maybe some of our translations uh, will use the word uh, about being judged. And sometimes that can be a little confusing. Uh, I think that what we do see here is, is the type of, you know, condemnation. So the wrath of God is found in this condemnation. But now the condemnation that John talks about in this chapter, I think can help put things into perspective for us. Because, you know, sometimes we really think about how uh, God has, has actively shown love for certain individuals, and then he just actively shows his wrath for some other individuals. But the way that John talks about it right here is a little different than that. Now, there is still some of that, you know, uh, dishing both of those things out uh, accordingly. There is still that found in both Testaments. But the way John is writing about it here is he tells us something else about this judgment. The way that he puts it is, is kind of a way that I like to, to, uh, to communicate it to people. You know, I, I talk to a lot of people who are really concerned about, you know, where where are they going to go, you know, after this life? Are they going to be with God? Or are they going to be eternally separated from God? And, you know, they, they kind of, they, they think about this, this tension and they're like, well, I, you know, I just, I just hope I'm, I'm on the, the good side and not the bad side whenever all is, is said and done. But this passage tells us that being on the good and the bad side, it happens right here and right now. This passage, it explains about being condemned. In verse 18, it says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. See, we don't have to have fear of that whenever we believe in him. But whoever does not believe, they stand condemned already. Sometimes we focus so much on the future judgment day that we forget, you know, there is a bit of a, of a sense in which we are being judged right now. And kind of our deeds are producing fruits in this life. And we can see what's going on in this life and, and how it's going to be in the life that is to come based on what's happening right here. If we choose to reject God, if we choose to reject his son, we can do that but then we end up condemning ourselves. And this is how the verdict comes. We see whether or not we accept this light or whether or not we just love staying in that darkness. The choice is ours. And that's one thing that, uh, that I think is important for us to understand. You know, we think about God as on the final day, you know, he's gonna kind of separate the sheep from the goats, which is a passage that's talked about in the Bible. And, and you know, we kind of think that, that right then and there, that's whenever the, the verdict is going to, be, uh, going to be addressed to us. But ultimately what God does is he allows us to choose. We can choose to follow God. When we choose to follow God, we receive this love of God. We live in this love of God. We see this, these wonderful things of him and the life that he gives us. But we can also choose a different route. Whenever we choose a different route and we were choose to, to go a way other than God's way, then what happens whenever you're separated from the life? The life, not just a life, but the life. Well, you know, we can call it different things. 
but it that that's where we choose to be eternally separated from God. It really is our choice. You know, it's not always just about that that future day and what's going to happen on that day, but rather what are we choosing to do right now? Because what we choose right now, it will determine what happens on that day. And right here we see that that we can we can condemn ourselves already by the way that we act. It's our choice. God loves us. He sent us his son. He provided us a way for us to for us to have eternal life. It's up to us to choose it though. We have to to continue to choose that. Now, God is love and he shows it. But there is also more in the New Testament even. We see that balance being talked about here, but now I want to go to another passage. Uh, this next passage it does talk a little bit more about that future day, that day of judgment. And I think that it's important for us to, to not only think about what we're doing right here and right now, but also what's going to happen in the future on that day of judgment. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, we read uh, this. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day when he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. Right here in Second Thessalonians, Paul is writing to this group and he's talking about God's judgment. God's judgment, most certainly it deals with his love, it deals with his wrath. And which side of that judgment we find ourselves on, it depends on what are we doing right here and right now. Are we accepting this love of God? Are we rejoicing in this love of God? Are we living in this love of God? All depends on if you're a part of his family as to which we receive that love or that wrath. He promised to welcome us home if that is our choice. If we choose to come home and to be with him, then we can be with him forever. That's why he sent his son to save the world, not to condemn it, but to save it. It's our choice. Yet he also gives us the choice to walk away. We all know which is the right choice. We all will experience this day of judgment in the future. Let's make sure that we are going to already know what God is going to tell us on that day. And we can know what God is going to tell us on that day if we choose to live in his love right here and right now. The love of God is real. The wrath of God is real. We know which choice to make. Let's choose correctly. Ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready for the judgment day. When the bridegroom comes, will I be there to meet him in the air? And will my lamp be burning bright? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. If the mass 
answer comes today. Will I be in or cast away? And will he find me faithful there? Will my Lord find me prepared? This I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I, I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I, I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I, I want to be ready for the judgment day. If the Lord should choose delay, will I be true until that day? And will my oil be plenty then? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day.